Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. So today we are going to be covering a topic, Krista, that you might find is kind of boring to you and I am sorry but we did get a survey question that went like this I'd love to hear more about coming up with a good design process for example are wireframes needed or should I just begin with mock-ups how many revisions are ideal for each stage of the project and I hate to give you the answer that you don't want to hear to whoever asked that question but it really is all about figuring out how you work best. So for example, some designers have a ton more steps in their process than others, and it's because that's how they want to work. So a good example of that would be, I normally don't do sketches. I'm gonna challenge myself with my next client. I've already decided to do them, but normally I don't, but a ton of my peers do. So just an example. But today I did want to cover the four main parts of a design process, as well as how you can audit your process to make sure it's working to kind of help our survey question asker be (laughs) able to come up with a good process that they are confident in. I like the way you're tackling this question because we could come in here and say that the way you do things is the way you have to do it and, you know, lay down those exact steps. But that's just not going to work for everybody. So I like that you are kind of breaking it down into the bigger pieces and then everyone can experiment and find what works best for them. And I'm sure we'll kind of come up with examples like, oh, I know this person does it this way. I do it this way to help give you guys some ideas. Um, But I do think that the more general um, steps are going to be the best approach for this one. Yeah, it's really hard to tell people okay, here is the one way to do it, just because this is a creative process. Mm -hmm. So we all think differently, which means we all work differently. Something may work really well for you, and it work really terrible for me. Like the sketches, I'm awful at drawing, so I feel like, why would I draw something that I, I would be able to create something so much prettier (laughs) on the computer? So... Yeah, I think keeping it kind of broad and covering the main things is going to be the most beneficial. So let's go on ahead and just dive right in. So to start with the four main parts of a design process, the first one is research. So this is always a really good idea to start with research. And there are a few different ways that you can look at this because I know When I was in school in the design classes, the research, the sketching, there were several different steps that we were forced to take that I was like, I literally hate this. I don't understand why we are doing these. So if you are kind of feeling that way and you're like, I don't want to spend a bunch of time researching, 
think about the different ways that you can do this. So one, you're looking for visual inspiration. So literally just getting an idea of what you like, what your client likes, what you guys can create together. You can also get to know your client's brand through research. You can literally look at their Instagram, look at their website, read some pages, you know, actually be informed about what it is they do and who they do it for. That's a really good idea for everyone to actually know more about their client's brand. Then also there is getting to know your client's competitors. So this is one that I think a lot of designers kind of skip, but it's really important. So doing this kind of research can help you understand, like I was saying, just the visual aesthetic that's appropriate for the project. You may have a preconceived idea that a grunge look would be really perfect for a client and then you did research and found out that no, it needs this really feminine, soft touch design work. That's two completely different things. Um, also, it can help you create a design that will work best for your client's audience. So keep in mind that while we're designing for our clients, we're primarily creating designs for their audience. So I don't know if people think about that. Have you ever really thought about it like that, Krista? Um, when I do the strategy work, yes. But when I'm just like diving into something and when I definitely when I was starting, oh, heck no. I was just trying to make this person happy. <laughs> well, and two, I feel like when we are doing stuff for ourselves, we just want it to be pleasing to our eye. Yeah. We're not thinking about our audience and what the, how they feel looking at it. Yeah. Example, uh, example A is my hot pink website. There we go, guys. <laughs> I like pink. I don't know if you do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a perfect example. It's like, I don't really care who is out there that I'm attracting. I just like this hot pink color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you definitely want to make sure that you're creating something that will attract the right audience for your client and help them grow their business. So definitely good to keep that in mind. And then also in terms of, you know, researching their competition, we've talked about this in a previous episode, but someone I follow online created a logo design that was almost identical to one of the competition of her client. And I remember reading this post and she was like, I had no idea. I didn't do the research. And she said the client loved it, but the client was like, this is actually very similar to this other brand. So <sighs> spending some time researching, you know, the different aspects that we've already covered, but also the competition will help you avoid this with your own clients. That would be awful. But I feel like research is a step that a lot of people don't think about, especially people just getting started. They wanted to like jump right into the design. They just, you know, get the initial information for their client and, you know, dive in and see what they can come up with. Uh, when in reality, if you take some more time to learn about your clients, like you were saying, and especially getting to know their competition, which is something that's skipped even more, I think, you can come up with such a better end product. So if you have not been thinking about research as a part of your process, I definitely recommend that you add that in. 
Yeah, I think the word research sounds so boring that a lot of people, even when they're considering like, yes, this should be a part of my design project, they're like, but it's so boring. And like you said, they do just want to get on the computer and get straight to work. But when you think about like, okay, so if you send a questionnaire to your clients asking them about their brand, you are doing research because you're learning about their brand. So you might already be doing it. It's just how intense is your research phase. Yeah, and how well you're putting it to use. Like, are you looking at this information and being like, okay, cool? Or are you actually being like, okay, based on this piece of information, I know I need to do this. Exactly, because I think some people get stuck in the, well, I took all this information from my client because all these people online made me feel like I had to, and now I'm just going to go do whatever I want anyway. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So the next main step in the design process is obviously designing. So this is where you get to the fun part. Now, how much or how little you do here is really up to you and how you work and what you feel is really necessary for the project. And I wanted to come back to the survey question and revisit the whole wireframe idea. Um, Personally, I see the value in doing them. I know that it can save me a lot of time in the long run when I actually start working with content um, from my client's sites, but I just skip them. Like, that's just how I work. But if you feel like your clients would respond better with this extra step, so maybe they can visualize the strategy or the importance of placement for certain things, In the wireframe stage, before you get to mock-ups with color and all the pretty design, then it might be a good idea for you to do this. And Krista, this relates really closely to development, so I just wanted to ask how you feel about this stage. I think as far as development goes, I don't know, I kind of have similar feelings. Now, I do think some kind of sketches or wireframes can be really helpful, I mean, if you're like trying to plan a strategy for a website, like what's going to go where, how is this all going to work together? Are the pages connecting, you know, like they're supposed to. But as far as like formal wireframes go that you present to your client, to me, it's just kind of one of those meh type things. Um, If you are working with a developer for the first time, it could be helpful um, to make sure that what you have in mind for the design will translate to websites well, you know, that you're working in columns and things that we can actually make happen accurately. Um, But other than that, I don't know. I don't have super strong thoughts either way. Yeah, maybe this is a step that you try out that is kind of like the sketches. You don't really Mm -hmm. show your clients, but it's another kind of research step before you actually get to the the design phase. Um, It's worth trying out, I say. If you have never done them before and you're like, hey, I want to try this, maybe try them Um, without presenting them to your client because they might just get confused. Mm -hmm. I feel like the majority of my clients would be like, this is just gray. I don't understand what to do with this. I want you to redo the whole thing anyways, even if they approve it. Yeah, (laughs) this is not... Okay, the mock-up is completely awful. We're changing everything. But so maybe try it out. And then if it doesn't work, you can always take it back out of your process and go Mm -hmm. on from there. Yeah. So this also kind of goes, the whole design phase 
for how many concepts that you present to your client. So as Jamie talked about a few weeks ago with us, she only presents one logo concept to her clients, which I think is really interesting. And if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and do that. But your process might look a lot different from hers if you're typically presenting three to four concepts. So you might have a lot more steps in your design phase. So keep that in mind. Next up, the third step would be refining your work. Now, without fail, you are always going to end up refining something, either because you feel that your concepts need some extra work, whether it be logos or the website mockups or the client asked for revisions, which I think I've always had a client ask for a revision. Um, Again, though, what this looks like, how long in your process, the exact steps, kind of depends on just the way you work and also how much you're willing to do for your clients. So again, going back to the survey question, let's bring up revisions. Now, how many you offer is totally up to how much work you're willing to do for your clients. I know some designers, and this freaks me out and gives me anxiety just to think about this, but I know some designers that have offered unlimited revisions because they feel like that's the only way that they can make sure that they'll get something right. But most designers stick with just two for each major part. So two for the logo, two for the website, and then one for smaller things like business cards. And that's actually how I do things. Um, Krista, I know you do revisions very differently than designers, but do you have anything you want to add here? Well, first, the thought of unlimited revisions makes me want to go, like, crawl under a table and stay there forever. Like, with the client we just finished up on, they couldn't make up their dang mind about what they wanted. We would still be, like, doing mock-ups if we offered unlimited revisions. We would literally still be doing mock-ups. I think I've been done with that project for, what, almost a month? And I can only Mm -hmm. imagine that, yes, I would still be doing different mock-ups for them if we Mm -hmm. hadn't cut them off. Yep, I'm still making paid changes for them. So what if this was free? Holy cow. Like, okay. But other than that, I think for like deciding on your revision process, it's just important to figure out what makes the most sense for each part of your project. For example, development, what I do has a very strict outcome since my work is based on mock-ups I'm given. So it's silly of me to offer more than two rounds because at that point, it's just because someone is changing their mind, which I don't allow anyway, or, you know, not taking the time they should in the first couple rounds and just dragging it out more than they have to. So two makes a lot of sense for me, but maybe for something like logos where it's a more creative process, there's more room for needing to, you know, really hone in on the right thing. It might make sense to offer one or two more than what I do. So I think it's just important to maybe not have a set number like overall for each part of the project, but really have different amounts of revisions allowed depending on what you're doing. 
Yeah, and regardless of how many you offer, it's really important to make sure you include this in your contract. Yes. I know we talked about this in a recent episode as well, but make sure regardless of how many you offer and say if you offer more for the logo and less for the website, make sure those things are like outlined and they're there because I can guarantee you there will be at least one client where you have to be like, in the contract, I do not allow more than this number of revisions. Yep, they'll be there. Yep. So the last step in the design process is delivering. Now, we literally all do this because, hello, how else would the client actually get what they have paid us for? So how you deliver your work really just depends on what you want to do and what you actually created for your clients. I have done everything from sending a Dropbox folder to emailing a zip file with the branding materials. And I just wanted to note here, because I'm sure someone will be wondering, because I would, I have tweaked how I deliver things over time just to make sure that the clients are actually downloading what I'm sending them mm. because I used to send it on Dropbox and I would be like, you have two weeks to download everything and then I'm going to delete it. And then when I would go to delete it, I'm like, they probably haven't downloaded anything, but I'm going <laughs> to delete it anyway because that's what I said I was going to do. Mm -hmm. So just keep in mind, um, obviously this is the last main step in your process and it really just depends on what works for you and what your clients are comfortable with. Yeah, I think I feel like emailing seems like too simple and not fancy enough. But with that, you can guarantee that they're not going to, well, they could still lose it, I guess. It gives you the best <laughs> chance that they're not going to lose it. Because you could even upload it to something like Dubsado. But what if they lose their portal login information or something like that? So even though emailing isn't super fancy, I do agree that it could be the best thing here. Well, and I think it's the best way to not let it like take over your own storage yeah. because on Dropbox, it would be like, I'm not going to give you infinity amount of time to download this stuff when it's taking up my Dropbox and I don't want to pay for Dropbox because mm -hmm. exactly. I'm cheap. So, um, but it's like it would have everything in there that they need. So if they don't download it, they're going to come back to me wondering where all this crap is. Yeah, exactly. So... I've also heard of, and I recently tried the WeTransfer thing where it gives you like a week to download the files, but it still makes me nervous that the client would wait until eight days after you sent their files yeah. and be like, wait, this doesn't work. Can you send it to me again? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just shift gears now and talk about how you can actually audit your process. And Krista, this is where you will probably have a lot more to share we'll with see about us. That. <laughs> but I have a really simple way that you can do this, and it's just a few steps. The first one would be to list out every single step you take in a project. Now, this may seem really overwhelming and you're like, oh my gosh, what are these things that I do for my clients? I have to go back and like check my project management or whatever. But a lot of times it's easy to forget exactly what steps you take or even want to take in your projects. I know a couple years ago I was changing things in my process and I wanted to try something new, but I completely forgot. And it was after that phase in the project and I was like, 
crap, I was going to do something totally different there. So it is easy to forget. But by listing everything out, you can visually see exactly what you're doing when you work with a client. And it's good to list every single step from sending an invoice or even getting the inquiry email to sending their design files or installing their site at the end because you might be surprised at how many steps you actually take or that there are things in there that you do want to change. Um, after you list all these steps out, I think it's a really good idea to ask why you do those steps and how they help you and your client. So ask yourself, go through each individual step. Why do I do this? Obviously, some of them are going to be like really simple. I send an invoice to get paid. I send a contract to cover my butt in case this client is terrible. You know, I send the logos because hello, that's what this project is. So they may seem like really crazy and boring and you may think that I'm really just silly when you're walking through this. But it is a good idea to do this because it'll force you to really question your process um, in a different way. So a good example is if you do the mood board phase with branding clients, which most of us do, ask why you do it. What's the benefit of creating a mood board? Like I know recently I was thinking about the mood board phase and I was like, why do I involve my clients? What is the benefit of involving the clients in this step? Just little things like that can help you tweak your process and make it work better for both you and the client. I like that idea because I think it's easy, you know, because there are so many people sharing their process to be like, oh, I need to add that step to mine. And then getting in situations where you would ask yourself what the benefit is and you're like, oh, I have no idea. You know, that person is just smart and I want it to be like them. So I like that step. Yeah, I think that's something that I definitely got sucked into, especially when I was first getting started. Um, I did a lot of things that I just saw other people were doing. Um, and I was like, I don't really know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it. So I hope it works out. So yeah, being able to really ask yourself and be honest about it. So if you're just doing it because so-and-so wrote on their blog that they do it, say that. It's okay to eliminate that step in your process if you don't get it or you're not benefiting from it. Um, another thing too to kind of just go along with this conversation is how does this step in your process help you and your clients? So obviously the majority of the steps in your project are probably really beneficial to both of you. You know, doing the mood board, I think, is really beneficial because it helps make sure you guys are both on the same page visually. But there might be a few steps in there where you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't understand how this helps me in my process or helps the client communicate what they want to me. So I'm not going to do this anymore. There you go. <laughs> The third thing you can do to kind of audit your process is tweak the steps that you think are not working well. And I have a really good example here. So let's say you've been presenting six logo concepts to your clients, and that just seems like so many to me and really <laughs> crazy. But you sat down and you asked yourself why, 
and you said it's to give your clients plenty of options to choose from. However, you thought about it a little bit more and it's not really benefiting your process because surprise, surprise, your client takes a lot longer to make a decision and they usually never pick what you think is the best option for them. So you can tweak this step in your process and instead of presenting six logo concepts, you can always go down to four, maybe even three. Maybe you're daring and you wanna just offer one. Whatever it is, you can tweak things. You know that you're like, this doesn't work for me anymore. How can I make this better? I like that. I think when you know there's a step in your process you need, it's easy to just always overlook it but it can still be really beneficial to look at those and find out how you can make them even better, like in the example you just gave. I like that. Exactly, and that's I think that's a part of the auditing process where people know that something isn't really working, but they keep doing it anyway. Um, and what, isn't that the definition of insanity? Something isn't working, <laughs> but you keep doing right. it. <laughs> um, so this is a good time when you can like, have time to audit your process to go through and be like, I'm finally going to change how I do this with my next client. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing um, to keep in mind when you are working through your process with clients or just when you're going through this kind of audit process is just to make notes if something isn't right so that you can change it with the next client. So you don't have to make it this huge one week, I'm gonna take off, I'm gonna audit my process and make it this whole thing. But if you are working with your clients and you're like, this isn't really working for me, it's causing too much trouble, whatever, you can always just make a note and be like, okay, I'm going to change this with my very next client so I don't have to worry about this anymore. So, just remember, if something doesn't feel right with your current project, you can always change things with the next one. <laughs> mm, for sure. Now, just to recap this episode, each designer has their own process. So it's going to be really unique to each of us. And it's all about knowing how you work best and just what you actually want to do for your clients. And the action steps I have for you in this episode. So number one, the next time you have like maybe a couple days in between projects, do an audit of your process using the tips that we just went through. Um, and keep in mind the four main parts of the process that you can kind of bring in and make sure that you're covering all four of those. Hopefully you are already, but make sure you're covering those in your process. And then the second action step is just if something doesn't feel right during the project, be sure to make a note so you can change things up with your next client. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design.